Today's episode of the Podfathers podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and the Pulse Podcast Network, is presented by TickSplits. TickSplits.com is an official sponsor of the Pulse Podcast Network, so we'll be right back after this quick message from our sponsor. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TickSplix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TickSplix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TickSplix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TickFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TickFlix. That's TickFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It's Noah Alvarez here with the Podfathers podcast, episode 46. We're slowly creeping up on half a century mark. In case you missed the last episode, it's still relevant because March Madness is still going on. We talked about the NCAA tournament. I had Jacob Fanshawe and Alec Romero on the show, and we talked about our favorites, some sleepers, some exciting picks, and obviously we filled out a bracket that did not do too well already. So yeah, that's some fun. You should definitely go listen to that one. But on to today's podcast, on to this week's podcast, as we roll into April. On this week's show, as those of you who don't know, I play in a Sunday baseball league, and I've met some very friendly and great people, some amazing friends on that team. And on that team, three of those guys hopped on the show today on this week's episode. Vince Ortiz, he's a local business owner. He's a personal trainer. He does a lot actually in the community of Orange County, South Orange County more particularly. He lives in Irvine, but he's an inner city kid as well. He grew up in Garden Grove, so he shares a little bit of his story. He went to Modern Day High School, played with some great players. He's not the only one on the show, as we also have Derek Amendola, another Modern Day graduate. And of course, my good friend Jacob Johnson, also known as JJ, also known as Generic Sports. Shout out to him for always making the beats on our show. It's a pretty fun discussion that we have here on this week's episode. We start the show off with a comparison and a contrast because JJ and I both attended the same public school. Shout out to the Villa Park Spartans. And of course, Derek and Vince both went to modern day. So we kind of share our experiences through high school, the athletic program, academics, and some of the things they do differently at modern day than they do at a normal public school like we attended to. The second part of the discussion is mainly highlighting Vince's journey to becoming a business owner, the personal trainer that he is now. Obviously, the 20s can be kind of a confusing time. So he shares with us his process, his growth from his mid, you know, early 20s to his mid 20s to his late 20s and to where he is today as a small business owner in Irvine, California. Pretty successful one, I might as well add. We also, after that, we go on to discuss the similarities of growing up in a a Latino American household. So both Vince, JJ, and I grew up in a Latino American household where sometimes feelings weren't necessarily discussed and talked about how that affected our relationships and the way we communicate as we are adults and how we've grown from that kind of stages. We round off this conversation with the discussion of coaching and what coaching meant to us as players, as a youth, and now a lot of us, three of us, have been able to coach and give back 
to the youth out in the communities that we serve in. So we kind of talk about how it comes full circle, the lessons that we learned as youth. Now we're giving it back to the youth and what our experiences are like. So again, I'm Noah Alvarez. The Podfathers podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud.com, and of course the Pulse Podcast Network. Hope y'all enjoy the conversation and enjoy the rest of your week. So both of you went to modern day high school, and first thing I wanted to ask you guys is what was your high school experience like? And we wanted to compare it to you know mine and JJ's because we went to public school. What was what was like your high school experience like at modern day? Athletically? Yeah, but athletically overall. Um school entirely. I had gone to Catholic school my whole life, kindergarten through eighth grade, so it was the natural transition for me. Although I was supposed to go to Servite. Um and I played in a uh, eighth grade um, basketball tournament for my Catholic school, and I got approached by Rawlinson after the game about being basically big and fast. And um, I don't remember exactly, but my dad said from then on I was just sold that I was not going to go anywhere but modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for me, um, it was interesting. Now that I'm older, I realized just how competitive an environment it was in. Um, I was so like on cloud nine about getting accepted and making the baseball team, making the football team. I didn't realize the talent around me, mm-hmm. um, which also made me not realize how much talent I had as an athlete to be a two-star athlete there and be pulled to varsity for both by sophomore year. None of that really registered. So that's like a good thing and a bad thing because it kept me humble, but it also made me miss some things that maybe I could have used to my advantage. Um, but overall, it was it was like probably one of the most important experiences <clears throat> academically, athletically, socially. Um, it just came into um, to my knowledge that apparently Modern Day is like the largest private school west of the Mississippi. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly wow. right. So I told um, my wife, I said, it, it really makes me even more proud to know that I distinguished myself in those three ways that are socially, academically, athletically, and mm-hmm. didn't realize, wow, you know, um, I didn't know what I'd accomplished to some degree. I didn't, didn't. Um, but, um, yeah, for me, I'm that person that luckily gets to say, yeah, I had a blast in high school. I really did. I went, to, I did the dances. I, I was involved in the religious side of things. You know, I used to read scriptures before games um, in the chapel. I used to carry the candle at school masses. Like, I was totally into that stuff. Yeah. Um, very much a yes sir, no sir kind of kid. So that environment fit because there's so many good teachers and mentors and people there that just want to help you be successful. And, and so I just did what they said, basically. Um, and then um, kind of being exposed to the other side of things growing up very low and middle class and being around wealthy to very wealthy to extremely wealthy people and Mm -hmm. seeing the scope of orange county and southern california which is a good thing for when you're getting older and you become an adult how to negotiate that how to be part of that how to not get a chip on your shoulder about that all those type of things Mm -hmm. but um I think that kind of sums up my experience. All yeah. good. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of, were there a lot of remarks made to you? Kind of like re taunted for being not of the same area as some of the other people that are coming to modern day? Um, I would say it was more passive. Mm-hmm. Like you'd invite a friend over and it was quite obvious they were not comfortable at your home. Okay. Which was awkward at that age because you're like, how do I negotiate this? It's 
kind of this is my house there's nothing more I can do with this um definitely cliques of kids that didn't hang out with you because you were not wealthy enough Mm -hmm. maybe they'd welcome you into their parties but it was only because you were good at football and baseball yeah and because you hung out with the star quarterback because you were his blocker you know it's kind of how the 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 hierarchy of high school works in general but especially at a football school like modern day Mm -hmm. where if you're on that team you you do get this instant status um if you're good i mean let's be honest yeah that's part of it um so, yeah, I would say more passive than really dealing with anyone giving me a hard time. Yeah. I was also a big guy, so mm-hmm. that probably helps. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I wanted to ask was how big is the religion? Because I've never been to a private school at any level, but how involved are the teachers and the whole administration getting you into the religion of that Catholic faith? Pretty much full bore. I mean, it's part of... MDTV, the school TV station in the morning, and the announcements. There's a prayer. Um, when you when you play, um, it is quite clear, to, made clear to you that you're playing for the Mother of God, Our Lady, Queen of Victory. Pray for us is a regular thing right before you go to war out there. Um, prayer before decade of the Rosary in the bus on the way there, absolutely silent and in thought. Um, you know, bringing in Catholic concepts, you know, you're, you're, you're not, you're there for your brothers around you first and then you second. Um, so absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the religion class you have to take to, um, at least for me also, um, I, I went through the confirmation process. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I had my godmother as my sponsor and like the whole, the whole gamut I did. So yeah, for me, it was huge. It was relevant. And Definitely got away from it, but definitely have come back around to it. It's it's my my base for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Did you go to Catholic school growing up? Yeah, yeah. I went to uh, same same as Vince. That's why you just saying all that right now. I'm like, wow, that's basically everything that I was gonna be talking about. <laughs> like, went to Catholic school uh, from kindergarten to throughout high school. <clears throat> same same situation, you know. Uh, kind of mid lower class you know had a, had a had a lot of the friends and the buddies that were living in the giant three-story houses mm-hmm. and the mansions and which you know kind of did kind of humble you a little bit but also it was kind of cool you know like uh, a lot of a lot of people that I talked to you know didn't have the same experience didn't really get to experience a lot of that you know kind of going just like you said being a being a part of the sports team or you know football or baseball or whatever that's already kind of got you into like the click or like the cool kids, if you will, you know, but then on top of that, you know, you get to kind of see the different sides of life that are out there and like the different kinds of people that go to the school that you go to. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, then just kind of piggybacking off what you said. Yeah. Religion was huge, you know, Mm -hmm. like everything, even if, you know, I knew a lot of, a lot of kids that went to modern day that weren't even Catholic or Christian or anything didn't you know didn't even believe in God but yet you know they're still willing to take the classes and yeah. still you know open, kind of open the motion yeah order. exactly well and even buy into it to some degree as an yeah. athlete because it was going to help drive us yeah and yeah. then again the mentors really getting you to believe no that's going to help us win the game too that mm. you know all of that yeah because I'm sure there are a lot of kids from like the inner cities that had no faith or different faith uh-huh. that were recruited by them just to play a sport too, right? Yeah, there was a mix. And, and that's, I think, a misconception in modern day, especially because Catholic high school is there are a lot of non-Catholic 
There's a yeah. good a good amount of non-Catholic who, those of us, you know, at Mass going through the routine as usual are looking around yeah. quite confused. So, sure. Do you got to have, like, any requirements? Like, you got to be baptized or first communion? No. No, I think it's, what, entrance exam? Yeah. Do you think that's just, that's like, a it. sports thing? Like, so they can, so it's easier to get people to come? Maybe, but but I don't know that I don't know that you'd be able to make it exclusive. Yeah, and just say you have to be Catholic only. I don't know. It's like it's like the Jewish high school in in, Friday, right? in Newport. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it I'm could sure be. there is ways you can go about it, but it it doesn't allow you to diversify as much. Yeah. Right, and especially if you want to be competitive sports team. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I did want to talk to you because we we JJ and I both played at a, a football at a competitive high school at least by the time we got there and the program was kind of turning around. But how was it like to play for modern day? You know, this is a program, a football program at least, that's been, I don't want to say world-renowned, but around the nation it's, you know, known as this big program. They've had players like modern, uh, Matt Minert, Colt Brennan, and the, the names continue. Players that go on to play college and in the pros. What was that like for both you guys? Well, for me, it was, you know, again, kind of what you said, Vince, was that, uh, for me, it was, it was eye-opening, big time. Because, I mean, you know, coming out of elementary school and be going into high school, you know, I, to be honest with you, I thought I was, you know, I thought I was a shit, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> baseball, baseball, yeah. football, you know, I dominated, you know, in, in yeah. Pop Warner and Little League and stuff. And then kind of coming into high school, I kind of rode, rode that ego and kind of that, you know, that, that confidence. Mm-hmm. And then realizing super quick that, like, whoa, there's about 40 other dudes on the team that are probably just as good as me, if not better than me. And that was very humbling at first because, you know, especially with specifically with just football, you know, I was always the biggest guy on the field. And I have been about this size since I was in eighth grade. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was always the biggest guy out there and, you know, running over people and then coming into modern day and not even just with the guys on my team, but playing against other Catholic schools. Yeah. You know, these dudes are 6'5", you know, 300 pounds, giant monsters of men. College-ready, right? College-ready dudes that I'm <laughs> like, whoa, like, I did not see this coming. And it kind of kind of checks you real quick. I mean, luckily you at least had some size, so that was kind of good. For me, it was like I had to fully just focus on just being the dude that overworked, you know? Like the, <laughs> sure. The, 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 uh, the, what's it called? The overachiever, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Had to had to just throw my body around and just kind of hope that like they would see that I'm, that I'm yeah. giving my effort. You earn, know? Your, earn your spot through effort. Exactly. Yeah. But but I was I was also considered undersized for my position. Fast for my size, undersized for my position. Uh, best recruiting point was if you ask me to run through a wall, I'll try. They literally put that on my recruiting report. Yeah. But that was that yes or no sir mentality. Mm-hmm. I actually played with Liner and Brennan. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them, both of them are everything everybody describes and, and may have experienced. Um, extremely talented, extremely groomed since fifth grade on, uh, going to modern day camps, but also coaches that were their Pop Warner coaches becoming modern day coaches as we go in freshman year to keep that yeah. relationship going. I mean, because they're even obsessed with the mental, emotional side of achievement, not just the physical and, and winning national championships. Um, I don't know. I took a lot of pride in it because I, I literally took it seriously as I'm protecting Matt Liner and I'm protecting Colt Brendan. That was just my personality back then. Uh, not a lot of guys like playing O-line. I loved playing O-line um, for every reason that you guys know as sports fans, basically. Um, 
and playing at that high of a level um, made me kind of obsessed at only playing at that high of a level. I never wanted to lower my bar, um, but that's what they teach you there is, is you only play up, you never play down. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things a little extreme, you know, second place is first loser. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just no messing around there. It's, it's highly efficient, um, very diligent. The amount of hours those coaches put in is incredible. Yeah. Uh, now coaching, realizing, not even putting in a third of the amount of this time they're putting in yet. I'm mm-hmm. sure it'll increase. Um, yeah, kudos to the, all those men that that coached us over the years, you know, definitely. Yeah. That mentality for me kind of carried over into college when I was looking for <laughs> colleges to go to. <clears throat> I think, you know, playing at modern day, you do hold yourself at a little bit of a higher standard when it comes to, like, you know, playing against other teams or where you want to go and I think in my head I was kind of expecting like my bar was almost set a little too high because I was Mm -hmm. expecting to either get like a division get to like a division one school Mm -hmm. or maybe not a division one but uh something you know something bigger four-year college you know that would be solid and I you know obviously I didn't I didn't get any looks or anything like that and I think that kind of not only humbled me but just kind of checked me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know I I had I could have gone to a Division three like Laverne I could have gone to Laverne could have gone to Redlands there was a bunch of like Division three Division two schools that were kind of looking at they're like yeah you know just do well on your SATs and whatever and you should be fine mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't really want to because I was like ah no I can get into Arizona or yeah. ASU or you know or Cal Cal or something, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that, and and that obviously, so was, or yeah, exactly, right, yeah. exactly, and so that didn't, you know, obviously end up happening, but that kind of is because of how I, how I was trained over in modern day, you know, mm-hmm. just you expect, you know, higher standard, you know, just to just to be the best at all the all, all the time, you know. That's one hundred percent right. <laughs> like, um, I was recruited. My career ends in injuries. Then I still have D two D three opportunities, but I had an attitude about it because mm-hmm. of that. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to play Cal Lutheran. Yeah. Who are they? I just toured ASU three yeah. months ago. You know, I mean, it was it that that young ego was like you're saying it was it, too much of that was alive still. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, definitely um, wanted to continue to play because that was the end goal. You weren't playing at Modern Day because you wanted to play at Modern Day, and that was it. You were playing yeah. at Modern Day because you believed that you had the ability to go on to the next level. Yeah. And you realized once you were done with modern day that every single week, the concern and the mentality was who's trying to beat us this week. Mm-hmm. Who wants to, who wants to be a superhero this week and beat the great modern day? It wasn't, <laughs> Oh, we, it was a tough game. No, no, no. Yeah. It was, it, everybody was excited to play us every week. And we had to remember that because they wanted to make an example of us. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys had that at one point that new England Patriots kind of target on your back or, you know, everyone yeah. in the league or everyone in that area wanted to go after you guys. Definitely. Definitely. Especially because, um, year after year, it's just, Mm-hmm. talented quarterback, you know, five-star running back, some sort of linebacker that'll knock your face off. It's like, how does that happen every single season? Mm-hmm. And not to mention Coach Rollinson, keep his energy up like that for now 19 years. Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling you, man, when you play for him, he is 150 miles an hour all the time, all not the time. not 110. There's no off button. No. <laughs> and there's no slow or, I mean, there's like, crazy stories I could tell you about him that 
are going to sound insane. Like there'd be like a rainy day, but this is what it was like being around him. I think is the mystique in your mind is what creates these kind of memories. And, and you'd be like, Oh sweet. Cause back then this is before turf as I date myself, mm-hmm. it was still a grass field. So if it got muddy enough, call it off. Maybe just be weight room when we go home. Yeah. I swear to goodness. It was like the perfect amount of time before you would need to dry out and it would stop raining and the sun would come out. And then he'd come in and go suit up. And you'd be like, oh, my God, he did it again. <laughs> yeah. How is that possible? We're supposed to just go home 30 minutes early today. Yeah. But, like, that that, that was that's his persona, even still as a grown man. Like, mm-hmm. I tell people, I don't call him Bruce or what up, coach. It's Coach Rollinson, Rollo. Sir. Sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing else. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, I felt like for our coaching experience, Coach Antich, we were just talking about it before the show. He kind of had that motor. He was kind of, I think it's almost like an obsession the coaches that really want to turn the program around. Because Villa Park, before we got, before my freshman year, they were known as kind of like a pretty poor pro, uh, program. And then Coach Antis got there my freshman year as a co-head coach and sophomore year took over as a head coach. Um, and then he won, he, or he, he was co-league champs my sophomore year, and then ever since then he's won league ever since. And he's really turned that program around. But to me, it's here. It's crazy to hear you guys talk about like like turning down D two, D three offers because like I would have, you know, I know me and like a lot of other guys would have killed for those kind of offers just coming from the public school. And our whole thing was, we didn't play tough enough competition. So it's like, yeah, our guys look pretty good, but we we're playing Valencia or the El Dorados, the Breas, sure. like some weak teams in our league, some weak teams out of conference. And and so how can you really judge a guy? And I know a lot of guys that I felt like were really talented that I played with as a junior sophomore. They never got offers. One, maybe they didn't have the grades and the best, you know, discipline and weren't the best students to go to a four-year college. But there are some guys that were capable but just didn't have that publicity um, and, like, the pull from, you know, like, hey, they went to a modern day, a D1, you know, pro- program in high school. They have the coaching with connections. Yep. So I really I, – I feel like, I you know, I messed out on that competition level at least because you know that coach is going to help you get to the next level and then – the recruits are going to look at you because you're playing at that next level and you're playing the best of the best, mm-hmm. essentially. I feel like a lot of guys aren't even concerned with playing in college either. Yeah, that's they're true just, too. Like, they didn't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I like I barely even got playing time. I mm-hmm. feel like I didn't apply myself, really. Like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I just started playing because, like, all my friends were playing. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I never had plans to, to like, play outside of Yeah, and I think that's school. the difference between in public school, I'm sure even, like, the second string on a private school guy is like playing to go to college somewhere where the second or third string guy in uh you know public school is just kind of playing just to play with his friends sure yeah. it's different yeah now it's like we went there to try and play college football win championships be part of the modern day tradition that was pretty much the selling points for it um and i think relevant to mention too beyond the star players um it's not like I didn't notice it as a young guy, but you're not willing to talk about it when you're young. All those, like, 40 to 50 guys on the team that never see the field for four years. Yeah. that That's crazy to me in retrospect because they went through the same experience, same amount of work. Um, my best friend was one of those guys. He was, was an, me, a non-starter. I... Like, <laughs> well, then maybe you can answer because I always wonder. Like, I was so obsessed with winning and achievement. It was like... Why? Why do you guys do this thing? Uh, everyone would ask me that, and I'm like, <coughs> like, I don't know. It's fun. You know, like, my homies are on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, the camaraderie. Yeah. yeah That's huge. Like, That's what you miss the most when everything's done. Yeah, yeah. It's true. You feel like you're a part of something. I mean, 
I never really saw the field much my senior year. A lot of it was due to injury, but I wasn't going to be a designated starter. Uh, my junior year, I started JV, but, like, that was JV. I never really got the chance to start varsity. Mm-hmm. But, like JJ said, it was the camaraderie and definitely that coach, uh, Coach Ansich. Like, I know I love football from a young age, but he made me love football, like, that much more. Because I think after my senior year injury, like, when I tore my ACL, like, I don't think I had a desire at that time to play football post-high school. When I hear myself and, like, just the way he talks about football, I was like, damn, like, maybe I should, since my senior year was taken away from me, like, I'm going to try and play somewhere else. And that's why I took the junior college route. But, you know, it, it is that the coach, at least Coach Ansich, I feel like he definitely had a special thing going along. And a lot of guys at Villa Park, similar to JJ, they just kind of wanted to be a part of that. Because my senior year, we went 12-0 before we lost to Tustin in the, in the semis. And... You know, ever since then, like, he's really had really good football teams where I'm sure a lot of guys just like, hey, I want to be a part of that team. You know, whether you go 11 and 1. He's never won a championship yet, CIF championship. He's gone close. But, you know, you've been a part of a lot of great teams. And a lot of people can say that when, you know, you go to another public school and you can't. Well, it can also be kind of like a status symbol, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you want, like, oh, you're on the football team? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know? What position do you play? Oh, yeah, cool. It's one of the, one of the ways to ease the transition of high yeah. school. Yeah, being absolutely. Popular a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's still a public statement. You know, you get to yeah, you get to create the camaraderie, you get a brotherhood going, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you start making more friends. And yeah, know. I feel like if I didn't play sports, I wouldn't have been involved in anything. Yeah, <laughs> like I didn't go to any of the dances. Like I didn't <laughs> do, like everything was just like sports related. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask both of you guys because at our at a public school, I don't want to name any names, but there's a, usually a group of people on teams that are so good that they kind of get away with a lot of stuff are they pretty strict on that in modern day do they cut down or is there a lot of guys that kind of <laughs> get away with things hmm. <laughs> um we'll just say we'll just say just like any other program okay. um they like to handle things internally I... <laughs> that, that's 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 probably the safest answer um but but i'll say being a team captain for at least in modern day um not every week, but pretty frequently as a captain, you had to go into Rawlinson and essentially rat everybody out. Mm-hmm. Who's screwing around with girls too much? Who's trying drugs? Who's drinking too much? Who throws the parties? Yeah. And who's in whose circle? All that. You had to do a captain. Of course, you covered your buddy's butts most of the time. I mean, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, unless we were smart enough to know, okay, no, he's going to, that's not cool. He's getting off the tracks and that's going to affect the team or him enough mm-hmm. that we should stop it. But yeah. I mean, that was part of it, was holding each other accountable. But maybe that's a good example of those things that they do there is is they expect you to be a leader to that level, mm-hmm. which is a hard lesson to learn, you know, like to, to try and do that type of thing with, it, with someone you're trying to protect also. Yeah. But you know it's better for them, so you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, often put in those roles as a, as a team captain. Um, you have to set a certain example. He makes you obsess over it. Um the way you conduct yourself away from school matters. The way you, if you're wearing anything modern day, um, he, he puts a certain brand in your mind of, of how high of a standard you have to keep, um, all the time, but it's good because that's now trained into me to a fault. Yeah. There's only one way to do things basically. Mm-hmm. And if players goof off a certain amount, like would they get kicked out too? They like you sure. guys kicked off of the program and stuff like that. Yeah, over my, I mean, Derek, you two probably over my four years, there was probably four or five legitimate expulsions where the guys went off to other high schools. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. 
Mostly, mostly drug related. Okay. Pot. <clears throat> Back yeah. then, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Even when we were in high school, that was a big thing. Yeah. yeah ours was under the um, the old gym stage. There was like an old, before they remodeled, there was a stage, and I guess kids would go underneath the stage and smoke in there. <laughs> I mean, wasn't smoking in there, but <laughs> definitely familiar with that. <laughs> there was that access point. <laughs> so, moving on to life after high school. I know Vince, you have your, your business now, but obviously you didn't have your business right out of high school. And I know college wasn't the route you took, but what were some of the steps that you took right, right after high school and how you got to where you're at now? As a small business owner? Yeah, or just what were some of the first things? I don't know, like what's your background? What did you do out of high school? Um, I, did, I did try and keep playing football um, because I, I was touted as a three-star um, D1 recruit out of, you know, Orange County, which was big still. Mm-hmm. So I got paraded around by all the local JCs. It was kind of silly to me because like you're saying, you had to stand in your mind. I'm like, really? You really need to drive me around a golf cart at OCC, but okay. <laughs> and like I did that and I went out for spring ball and, and basically I couldn't fire on guys like I used to. So that's when I decided to hang it up. Plus I had the orthopedic in my head. Um, he had told me if you break that ankle again, you will, you will have symmetry issues and you will not walk straight oh. the rest of your life. And that'll only get worse and your hip will only get worse. So go ahead and play, but he didn't mean that, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so I decided to stop playing. Um, and, and I was that kid that um, had no idea what I was going to do academically. I knew I wanted to be a coach and stay in sports, but that's it. And then I go into the counselor at OCC because I do end up staying there for two and a half years just for school, um, and sh- she's the one that tells me about kinesiology, and I didn't even know what that was. Nobody yeah. in my family went to college, like my direct family. I have cousins and stuff, but... Are you first gen, generation? Uh, yeah, yeah, because my dad was born in Mexico, yeah. Okay. Um, my mom was born in border towns, but my mom didn't even finish her freshman year of high school. Okay. My mom, was, my mom was packing tomatoes with her family in Northern California yeah. by that age already. Um, but yes, from, from the typical Mexican... Um, agricultural family. Um, So yeah, so my achievements in my family were held in very high regard. It's nauseating to my sisters and my wife, but I'm known as the golden boy in my family. Yeah. Um, Also the youngest with three older sisters. I look just like my grandfather and my dad. It's like, how many more gifts can the universe give me? Right. Um, But um, so I do that, but all all I wanted to do was stay in sports because I I always loved it. Um, it was, it's probably the most important thing in my life to this day, athletics in general. Um, but then I decided to study exercise physiology based on the advice of this counselor, which is awesome because you bring that home to first generation Mexican parents and they're like, Kenisa, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> you can study sports? Okay, mijo. Like, yeah. you made that up. I'm like, no, no. Like, I really can. Yeah. And, um, a lot of, all my, all my school, <laughs> most of it was paid for by myself because yeah. of where I come from and, I remember asking my dad if I had a trust fund or a college fund and he literally did a silly little dance, which ended him pointing at me saying, yeah, right there, you, that's it. (laughs) And I was like, okay, awesome. I'm not like those modern day kids we just talked about a second ago. Yeah. Um, and then knew I had to pave my way, but luckily my dad's was pretty awesome on raising me on the man things. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, either pout about this or do something about it. Yeah. Sack up and do it, man. 
And that's all I cared about at that point, um, including being and, and all for good reasons, not because I had a good family situation, obsessed with moving out. Yeah. By the time I was 18, 19, I'm like, nope, got to get out. Nope. Don't hate this feeling. The beginnings of I don't like being a follower. I don't like people over me. I can handle yeah. myself. Um, you know, I should mention went through I, I went through a pretty rough time for about a year yeah. after my injuries because the D1 scholarships just fell away. And I got that experience. Um can proudly say Dirk Cutter personally called my house, um, asked to talk to me. The conversation was about 15 seconds. Uh, hey, big guy, I heard you broke your ankle. Um, how you doing? Like, not good coach. He goes, how long they say you're out? I said, right now, 12 to 14 weeks. <sighs> Pause. All right, son, we'll be in touch. Let me talk to your dad again. I never heard from him again. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the experience the you get. Yeah, there. and you realize, okay. I'm a, I'm a broken football player. That's, nobody wants to talk to me anymore. Right. This is this is humbling and crazy. So yeah, I went through a rough bout with that, um, but then picked myself up after about a year, and then figure out okay, I want to be a trainer for athletes. Um, did that for two years while studying for a guy in Chino Hills. He had a company called Excel Sports Training, and all I did was uh, speed, agility, and quickness. Which is cool because people like Burfecht, who the Raiders just um, picked up, I trained him when he was a sophomore. Wow. I mean, I was a young Cronus assistant trainer, and it was not my client. It was my <clears throat> my boss's client. But, yeah. yeah, when he was at Cronus Centennial and I was working in the IE with that, for that guy, uh-huh. um, I was his setup and example boy, basically. Okay. And Burfecht was this superstar freshman sophomore that the school had yeah. who, who knew he'd be who he is now, including the controversies, right? <laughs> but um, <clears throat> then got really bored with that really quick and was like, okay, this is funny. Um, and you know, during this time also, I lose a sister to diabetes from, from obesity. So that's part of my difficult time also. Um, but most of the reason I bring that up is because she tells me before she passes away, she goes, Oh, you thought you were supposed to be some sort of pro athlete. Um, she goes, I always knew that wasn't the case. And she goes, I didn't mean I knew you were going to get injured. She said, it's just, she said, you love people. You're going to be great with people. Not, it's not about mm. sports dummy. I remember, oh no, she called me stupid boy. Yeah. I remember saying that. And I was like, okay, you know, and then my sister passes away and she becomes kind of my main motivation. Both t- forearm tattoos I have are representative of her. And that's like that get over your shit thing. I, I'm just very outward about my emotions. So I wear it like yeah. that's in front of me when I drive around. I'm too tired. I'm complacent, whatever the hell it is. It's like. I think you'll be all right, dude. Yeah. Um, so she kind of drove me in that way and then realizing, oh, crap, she's kind of right. I am veering away from sports. I want to work with little kids. I want to work with old people. Um, and then I did was lucky enough to transfer to Cal State Fullerton and then work in the gerontology department as extra credits. Mm-hmm. So I did work with seniors and um, continued to coach youth sports. Um, by the time I'm 21, I, I get a PE teaching job also. I leave the Excel sports training. I start doing personal training on the side. As I transition to Cal State Fullerton, mm-hmm. I get um, the athletic director job at the school because it's a Catholic school. So you also you just okay. have to know somebody. You don't really have to know have the credentials done and all that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So well, I should all say it was my girlfriend's dad was the principal <laughs> at the at the at St. Joseph's okay. in Santa Ana. <laughs> Shout out, right? But uh, stayed there. For three or four years, 
solidified. Yeah, I, I just love working with people because I enjoyed the parents and the priests and the nuns and the teachers and being on staff and the community. And it was it was a blast. But then quickly realized I can't make a lot of money doing this, especially in the Catholic school system. Nor, nor did I want to go through the educational process to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, I wanted to stay more on the health and wellness side of things. So I get through an entire year of Cal State Fullerton. I have about 12 to 16 units left and I decide I'm over it. Uh-huh. And I, I dropped out and I, I said, I don't want to do this. I, I can see I, I had this confidence in myself about, I know I'm good at this and I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm out of here. Uh, I don't need school to do this. I think yeah. I can do this on my own. I also did not have parents who were devastated when that happened. They didn't know the difference. Yeah. I was paying for it. Vince goes to this school in Fullerton and I, and my dad knew they had a baseball team, you know, that kind of thing. And so they basically, when you present that to parents like that, it's okay, well, great. We'll figure it out now. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I got it. And, and continue to, and then was exposed to deeper thinkers at Cal State Fullerton, uh, professor Lenny Wiersma, uh, Ken Revisa, professors of sports philosophy. And then I realized, okay, I not only love people, I love the mental, emotional side of what it means to be a human animal, what it means to be an athlete, how that pertains to sport. Mm -hmm. Um, I love all of it. Um, and, and just kind of started to dig deeper on that side, uh, which led me to the version of training, I, which I do, which is kind of partially health coaching, um, kind of, it's, I hate the word because thrown around too much, but the holistic approach is what I do. Uh, I really have to be sensitive to all aspects of my clientele, not just what their fitness goal is, right? Uh, which can be energetically exhausting. But um, that, that whole process I went through, uh, led me to that, to, okay, this is the version that I want. And I realize I, I want to be a leader in this way, which you find out is actually service leadership. Mm-hmm. I'm not the general who wins wars. I'm the right hand man that helps that general win wars. Yeah. And I love that role and I'm comfortable in that role and that, and that's good for me. Um, not everybody is because sometimes everybody wants to be the one with the medals around their neck. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah and it's not going to always work that way. But, uh, that was my career path, but strictly setting, three to five year goals all the time. And I can tell you guys as younger guys, I don't know why mm-hmm. I just knew I had to, um, or else I was going to be some sort of chump. Mm-hmm. And, and I was always obsessed with being as good a man as I can because my dad was, he was a family man. He raised me on John Wayne and Patton. I tell people. Mm-hmm. So like that old world way of being a man is actually extremely important <laughs> to me as you guys have experienced over yeah. time. Um, I hold myself to even a higher standard and set of principles than I would even those around me um, because that's the only way I can feel good about holding those around around me to those standards. Yeah. Um, but those three to five year goals saying refusing to have anything but significant growth every three to five years, it's got to happen and obsess over it and obsess over creating your own reality. And then you have the first experience where it does happen and you go, holy shit. I literally made that happen with my brain and my energy, okay? And then it just kept snowballing. And then I meet Melissa at 24, my wife, and then decide to get married and have stepkids and just keep adding stuff to my plate. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, ups and downs, but always knowing kind of I was on the right path with that voice of my sister in my head, with the thing I told you I don't know where it came from, with my yeah. dad, that all the things he taught me. Um, 
honestly, I think the fearlessness probably for my mom, my mom was the more intense personality. You guys see how even killed my dad is. My mom was like the, the force in the family. Uh-huh. Uh, that's where I get that from. <clears throat> and then just also coming from my upbringing, but also the modern day thing, but also the Catholic thing. Uh, very much wanting to make everybody proud, show everybody what I could achieve in the name of the family name, in the name of my parents, in the name of what they did for me, all this. I definitely always wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, people always gave me this credit of being an old soul um, to this day, um, which I, I understand and, and don't understand because I made my set of mistakes just like any young person would. Yeah. But I guess it's the way you respond after the fact, and that's, I guess, what's impressed people. Yeah, I mean, even your nickname on our team is the old great one. You know? Oh, great one! Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's one. it's funny as I did not give myself that name. <laughs> oh, you didn't? No, that was a, cl- a client that gave me that name, and he and you know, it's, I think that speaks volumes on your kind of your personality. You yeah. talked about it that whole like a wholesome approach. To it. Yeah, and he's a he's a very high end individual. Um, you know, I won't name drop, but he's people know who he is, and. Um, but even before him, I had a client tell me, and this is just a statement on duality and balance for an individual, especially a man, because guys get caught up in either too much macho, too sissy, what does it mean to be a man, all that baloney. I don't, I, I just believe there's, there's you and then there's that, then there's a balance of you and that's it. And everybody needs to learn how to be cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's no right or wrong way to be a guy. Um, but what they told me was I could take you into a boardroom and you wouldn't embarrass me and I could take you in a dark alley and you'd sure make me feel safe. And it made me laugh. I'm like, okay, that's weird. But then when I really thought about it over time, I was like, what a dope compliment. That means like, yeah. you're like a guy's guy, but you're like an intellectual, mm-hmm. you're like a macho, but you're a big sissy also. Like I'm a soft, I'm a total softy. Yeah. Um, and so like, <laughs> then that made me want to understand myself even more. Um, Something I've been told a lot is I and I and now I know I do because I practice it consistently is introspection. I, I, I ask every everybody around me to do that constantly is constantly reviewing myself. Um, why do you act that way? That was good, that was bad. Why did you do what was good, what was bad? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I do things to an obsessive nature. It's like a good and a bad thing. Um, learning how to be more positive with that because I would do that, but then I'd be negative with myself instead of positive approaches to things. Uh, the power of positive energy, how to create through that. Um, and then I should say, going back to the creating your reality, I always tell people that's not a magic wand. There's, there's hard work, sacrifice, um, uh, being responsible, doing things you don't want to do, being outside of your comfort zone, all that's involved in that process. Right, right. But if you do challenge yourself to those things, the rewards are huge. And, um, my motivations also, I should say, are not money. I'm never going to be a millionaire being a personal trainer and a coach. Uh-huh. But the, the circle of, of clientele that I have and family that I have and friends that I have, including all you guys, is is a super blessing. At 35 years old, I can say I have a pretty epic group of people around me and good people, good, solid people where there was a night I did that poker night and I was like, you know, I get all, you know me, I get all anxious, like, why aren't they responding? And Melissa's like, can you just take a deep breath and be like thankful that she goes, what did you tell me? You sent it out to 35 guys. Yeah. She goes, you have 35 guy friends to invite to a poker thing. And I was That's like, cool, yeah. sorry, you're right. I'm being, I'm totally <laughs> not appreciating the moment. I'm being a big, yeah, yeah. I'm being impatient about it or whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's always kind of been my nature and my drive. Mm-hmm. And, like, let's be real, too. A lot of people from Garden Grove or from any inner city, like Santa Ana or Anaheim, mm-hmm. don't have that kind of experience growing up. 
Yeah, because they don't they don't get to achieve that where they can be like the guy they present in a board meeting or the guy in the alley. You right. know, most of the time there's a guy in the alley and they're not the intellectual, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No offense, but it's it's no, a realistic it's true. approach. So, you know It's yeah. true and it gets you these obtuse compliments mm-hmm. being that person because like I had conversations with people in gyms and this was a compliment a compliment in giant quotes given to me one time as a young guy and I, I remember getting really upset about it because it was very backhanded but then I've learned over the years how to process that type of thing was she finishes with me and she goes well that was such an enjoyable conversation who would have known you were capable of such depth yeah and I was yeah. like holy mackerel she just said that to my face <laughs> and, and like you, so she just decided I was some big burly meat headed mm-hmm. uh, personal trainer and the funny thing is that's before the beard and the tattoos yeah that was before I even had that stuff and I was like but that was when I also, the beginnings of learning how to negotiate myself with those type of individuals who unfortunately live in a tunnel and that type of narrow vision. Right. And, and you know what? So I've also learned sometimes that's just based on their life experience, not even like them being racist or overly critical. Yeah. Um, I learned that lesson at um, Pelican Hill Golf Course. I was with a client and I had this, the guy and his wife that joined the two of us, he looks at me and he and you could tell he was like looking me up and down like, why is this tattooed Mexican kid with this old white guy that we all know is a gajillionaire and a big member of our club? He's trying to figure it out. Yeah. So finally he just goes, so Vince, uh, you went to modern day, huh? Because he had heard a little bit of chatter that, by the way, that gets me in the door. Now I'm acceptable. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes, <laughs> that's right. So do you speak Hispaniola? Oh, wow. No. And I go, Hispaniola. I go, well, sir. I go. <laughs> For your sake, I don't speak a lick of Spanish, really. I go, so I guess that'll make you feel a little comfortable. So that's like my jab back. Yeah. Everything goes fine. Round goes fine. Talking to my um, mother, my mother-in-law, who's from the East Coast. Yeah. And she goes, Vince, did you, did you get where he was from? I said, I think he said he was from Pennsylvania mainly. And she goes, in Pennsylvania, there's not many Mexicans. So his in his mind, you were potentially from Spain. Yeah. Because oh. that's closer. So that would Makes be, sense. to some degree, Hispaniola. She goes, yeah. did you ever think of it that way? Yeah. And I was like, holy roll. Like, I would have flipped that on me. But you shouldn't feel bad either because, like, no matter where you're from, you should... I feel like you should, like... Should, yeah. should know Somewhat stuff. culturally sensitive, I guess. Yeah, you should just know stuff because mm-hmm. then you don't get into situations like that. I feel like it's just, like, awareness. Like, mm-hmm. maybe a person like that has no desire to, to really... To make that effort. Venture out and like sure. know different cultures and stuff. Sure. So that's kind of on them too. But that's true. But I get what you're saying. No, that is true. That's why I have what six world religions or something tattooed on my arm. But that was. I'm I'm all about acceptance, you know. Yeah. Of of whatever people believe in, as long as it's got it's good, you yeah. know, it's all good with me. But as long as no one's getting hurt or anything from it, <laughs> yeah, like hundred percent, yeah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time 
marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. And we hope to hear from you soon. I do want to ask you too, because you grew up in the Latin American household. Was there any outside pressures from your family to like, you know, join the agriculture business or kind of have grandkids sooner than you maybe wanted to or have, you know, because I know like in maybe my family, I don't see those pressures, but I see it like in my distant cousins and Mm -hmm. it's like that pressure right away to like, you know, get married and have grandkids and start young and kind of join, you know, a family business, whatever, whatever kind of labor is. Was there any outside pressures like from your family? Um, more, more on the having kids thing Mm -hmm. because I, I pretty young decided I didn't want biological children. I mean, I have stepchildren. I love kids. I work with kids. I have Zola now. Um, but no, by no, I mean, all those are ones that I could be like, whoop, take them back. And, but that was definitely not in my life plan. So that was tough for my dad because I was the one to carry on the family name. But that would be the only pressure there was kids because I am family oriented. Um, so they were happy with that. Definitely not on the um, the work side. Um, I was almost kind of treated like this anomaly in the family. Like mm-hmm. uh, Vince is the one that's going to make it type of thing. And I still kind of am treated that way. I have this pocket of family that is first generation that says Melissa and Vince are from Hollywood mm-hmm. and they're serious. That's just how they, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how, how they, they perceive you. it. Yeah. We live in orange County. We live in Irvine. They drive these cars. They dress this way. Vince always has those big sunglasses on. It's, and, <laughs> and these are my, you know, these are my cousins still wearing cowboy boots Levi's and yeah. cowboy hats, you know what I mean? Looking at me and they live in desert towns working and a lot of them are in actually beer delivery, like for like Budweiser and stuff. Oh, okay. And then the other ones are farmers. <clears throat> and then I have a large portion of my family that are not in good places too. So yeah. when I was playing at Modern Day, especially there'd be, and I didn't know this until after Modern Day, I should say, uh, 20 to 30 people in the stands for me. Oh, wow. Cousins, because it was like, Whoa, Vince is on Fox Sports West. Oh, and yeah. to my family, that was, I had made it on ESPN's top 10. Yeah. Like, it was that big for my family. Yeah. And, like, cousins would brag to, to their friends and, like, to the extent that I was uncomfortable because I was like, this is weird. This is just where I go to high school. I don't <laughs> yeah, get it. No biggie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, I, and I've always said this, this is probably goes to your question. I've always described myself as the black sheep of the family in the opposite sense, which I found out later is. Something called like the gold sheep or something. There is a term for it. I don't remember. But um, because it, but it, in the way that the black sheep puts you on the outskirts of the family, so does being the gold sheep. And and because you're always treated as you're fine. So if you have any kind of conflict or issue in your life, you're fine. And then you're Latino, so you're a male. Mm -hmm. Learn to be fine. Yeah. If you don't know how to be fine, figure it out. Are you serious right now? Yeah. All these tears and all this bullshit. Like that's how it was handled. Like when I, when I got hurt after football, I had a total meltdown in front of my parents with my sister. One of my sisters rubbing my back. Totally remember trying to calm me down because I'm like booger snot hysterical, <laughs> like realizing, I guess, in that moment, like, oh, shit, this is over for me. Yeah. And my dad looks at me and goes, you need to get over this shit. Yeah. And my mom walks out and goes in the backyard and smokes a cigarette like, ooh, like, that was intense. And, like, <laughs> and that was that was it. And me then getting mad yeah. and, and my sister going, Vince. And this, this is a sister that passed away, which she, she was always there. She goes, Vince, I told you not to expect anything. I told you this is the way mom and dad are. And I'm sorry, but I'm here for you. But you are going to have to get over it to some degree. And and tough, tough love. It was what it was. You know, it's not like they, they just shine me on, but it gives you thicker skin. Yeah. 
gives you a different perspective on things. Gives you an idea of how maybe you want to handle yourself with your Did kids. You handle it that way? No, no, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm I'm a communicator. I'm a more emotional person. Me so so like in the beginning with my stepkids, I'd be I, that would come out of me, and then I and then I didn't like the way it felt. And so now where our family's at is much more like Killian just got mad at me the other day, my stepdaughter. She stepped away, gave her time. She came back. We had a conversation. Squashed. Yeah. Took an hour and a half. Yes. Way better than what would have happened in the past. Yeah. And, and that, and, and, but still respecting her side of it, her understanding why I said what I said and did what I did. Awesome Most conversation. Most of the time when you do that, you realize like it's not a big deal. <laughs> and you realize how much you've built it up and your emotions have made it this like yeah yeah this it, crazy in situation. Moment, in the moment, you're you're always escalating things higher than they should be. There's mm-hmm. definitely times where you just need a little break and then you go back and revisit it, talk it out, and it, it's always like hundred percent. Most part, yeah. Well, and and it's it's cool is um, I think a lot of those skills to bring it back to what we've been talking about do come from my experiences too. Mm-hmm. Cause look, I don't come from parents that do that. Yeah. But somewhere along the line, I had coaches and mentors even before modern day that showed me that higher level of being, I guess. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, my dad <clears throat> realizing that I had kind of surpassed him in certain ways by the time I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, because he would say, son, you were, you were almost so independent, I didn't know what to do with you. He goes, but typically, when you have that, it's a wild child. He goes, yeah, you yeah. just, you were you were wild, and you liked to party, and you had your fun, but you were like, no, I'm going to do this, and I, I want that, and that's it. And he goes, which was intimidating to your mom and I. Oh, he goes, shit. because his parents, at some point, you basically told us, I don't need you anymore. Yeah. I was like... I never looked at it that way, but, but as parents, you're, you're terrified to let your kid go off anyways. And I was like with two middle fingers up, smiling and laughing Mm -hmm. and doing what I wanted to do, making it happen. And they're like, don't know how that's happening, but all right, cool. Let them do it. Um, even as a trainer, when I had a boss, I was known as a rock star mentality. I remember that was the first time it was introduced to me. And I was like, what does that mean? And he goes, I can't tell you what to do. You don't listen. You say things out on the floor, meaning in the gym and down the basketball court at that time, that you shouldn't say out loud according to HR. He goes, but, some, but some, for some reason, no one gets offended and you get results and you have my highest clientele. So what the hell can I say to you? He goes, that's what a rock star mentality is. I go, I get it. He goes, you do it your way. You're a pain in the ass, but you get it done. Yeah. And I was like, can't complain about it. Dope. Like quietly in my mind, I'm like, yeah. yeah. But also... Thank God having some sort of Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder going, dude, don't play with that too much. You're going to screw up and lose a job. You're going to offend somebody. You're going to be one of those really boisterous personalities that are annoying to people. Like all these different versions that I went through in my head because I am such a strong personality. But that was just part of the process for sure. So that was all I like how you handle situations and and how you're supposed to handle them properly. Because in my family, too, we never really talked about things like my parents, my my, my mom was the instigator. My dad was the one who, like, blew things out of proportion and, like, things would get, like, blown up, you know? Sure. So you didn't want to, like, talk things out because you couldn't talk to them. And I remember, like, in high school and, like, right after high school, I was really bad in relationships and, like, they were mm-hmm. ending, like, really shortly. And they would tell me, like, you're doing this, 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 wrong. And I, I eventually chose to become a communications major. And so I took the interpersonal, intrapersonal, and, like, that, you know, it was so eye-opening to me, those classes, because they're like, you're supposed to communicate this way to people. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, you're supposed to communicate this way with yourself. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, I, I had no idea because that's just how I was brought up. Kind of similar to how you were. Like, you don't talk about things. You just kind of, like, push it down, get angry about it, and then yell at the person, but then expect it to be fine the next day. And, like, other people don't play that shit. Right. 
So it was just all kind of like new to me and, and learn, going to college is where I kind of learned how to communicate with people better, how to like share my feelings. And it was a process because I got into it later, you know, from 19, 20, 21, still a process for me now. But I remember it was just, I could relate to you in that top, in that area where it's like, it was really hard for me to, to just express my th- my feelings to people because it wasn't like the thing to do in my family. Yeah. Emotions and feelings are not part of machismo mm-hmm. and being raised by guys that are, you know, you're hunting and fishing with most of the time or watching sports with the other time or it was, it was very much that environment, which is funny now because my dad's 75 going on 76. So he's definitely softer than when he was 40 and I was a kid Yeah, and like the things he he used to, the way he used to handle me to keep me tough. Um, definitely obsessed with chin up, chest up, eye contact, firm handshake. That, that was super important mm-hmm. um but that also helps carry you in these other environments because they're somewhat universal so whether you're yeah poor or rich those are some some man skills is what i always call them that help you get along mm-hmm. and help you get through the process i feel like i had a similar uh experience like as noah like learning communication later on because yeah. like my mom my mom comes my mom's size of mexican is is mexican and like, I'm just hearing like a lot of similarities mm-hmm. and like talking about stuff. I don't really remember like having deep conversations or like even expressing like love really. So Same like, here, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like later on, and later on, like me and my sister talked about it, and she's like, "Yeah, like we didn't like we didn't really do that stuff, like kiss our mom or like right. stuff yeah. like that." Yep. And like I, I was realizing that like more recently. And then, like, just the way situations were handled, you know, she kind of blows up. And I still can't really talk to her a lot, yeah. about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I'm trying to stay level-headed, like, I think we're we're both alike. But I've realized that I don't want to be like that, really. Sure. Yeah. So, like, same thing. I was communications major. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot. And then learned, you know. So now I kind of enjoy, not enjoy, but, like, like if I have a disagreement with someone, like I really make it a point to to do it like your hash your story, yeah. yeah, hash it out. Cause like in the end, like <clears throat> and in my family too, a lot of family members don't talk to each other because of stupid things, and yeah. like, they hold grudges, and no one wants to. They're just like no, like that's true. Like I'm never gonna talk to them. Yeah, like, that's my dad's like, family. We yeah, had that too in my dad's side. Yeah. So, but so like I'm more determined to like not get like that. Mm-hmm. See, that's interesting because the three of you say that in my family it was completely different. Yeah. Like, I was I was pretty much raised by my mom. So, yeah, I do get the mama boy jokes and all that, you know. <laughs> but it's cool. Like, I, I embrace that. I love it. <clears throat> um, but I was very opposite of you guys. You know, mm-hmm. my mom was always loving. I mean, I'm not saying that you guys weren't. But, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was always like, okay, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about this. Yeah. Or hugs all the time. Yeah. Kisses all the time you know always you know figuring out situations and all that so it's interesting to hear the, pr- the perspective from you guys because <clears throat> kind of going to what you guys are saying like being in relationships and stuff mm-hmm. that I was always kind of seen as like the sensitive guy yeah so or, you're on the other side of us yeah. yeah yeah or like the you know the guy that you know I wanted to always like if there was an issue I wanted to always like try to hash it out and be mm-hmm. like okay well let's figure this out and like a lot of girls that I used to date you know they'd be like 
what? Like, yeah. You know, not used to, not used to <laughs> someone just being like, hey, all right, let's do it, you know? I feel like I feel like that, too. Yeah. Like, in relationships, like, I mean, now I'm more willing to share information because I'm, like, more comfortable and, mm-hmm. like, I know how to navigate the different situations, like an argument or something. But, like, I've, I found that, like, I was always trying to do that. And, like, the other person didn't have the same mentality. So, like, like what you said, like, I'm going to sit down and, like, just yeah. figure figure things out. Like, the other person just didn't understand that. And it was yeah. really hard to... Yeah, in our age level, I still, like, I feel like it's very rare for yeah. people to get that, to have, like, an intellectual <laughs> discussion and kind of talk through something, whether yeah. it's a conflict or whatever. A lot of people want to just, I mean, a lot of people would, are more comfortable with just kind of... Sh- yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Rather just just move on mm. instead of instead of having to deal with you know either hurting someone's that. feelings yeah. or yeah. you know being honest with each other, which is no. I mean, I, I mentioned the solid <laughs> friendships and stuff that I have. One of the main reasons is that uh-huh. is is trying as hard as I can with the relationship development, and that includes admitting when I'm wrong, mm-hmm. asking someone for an apology when I think they're wrong, mm-hmm. and whatever other versions in between, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is hard to do as a younger guy and then you realize later on as an older guy that it's actually tied into your confidence piece and you're actually more of a confident stable dude if you have a high emotional um intelligence and and can can talk it out and it and um funny for me at 35 i find myself um only wanting to surround myself with people in that way people that want to um, challenge themselves day to day know that you're going to improve yourself in some way till you're dead mm-hmm. or I hope you do um, <clears throat> which is why a recent situation was so frustrating to me um, I, I, I need people to want to help themselves and, and do better um, and, and you know it, it, it's, it's pretty cool because we've branched off on other things right now but it all ties back to how you started with our basis and who put these things in us and who taught us to have these expectations of ourselves and each other mm-hmm. and learning that it's okay to have an expectation. I have an expectation of JJ and Noah and Derek. And that's just a statement on how much I care about these guys as my friends. It's not, a, it's not even being critical, mm-hmm. you know? So the, and yes, that phrase, emotional intelligence is huge to me mm-hmm. that I've learned even with my own wife who has that, is very attractive to me, just as all the physical parts that I like about it. <laughs> and, and, and then you realize, like, oh, crap. Like, the fact that she handles those things well, that's, like, super hot. That's yeah. weird. You know, as a guy, you're, like, funny. Yeah. You mentioned, like, uh, being wanting to be around people that are always improving themselves, mm-hmm. like, every day. And, like, I can kind of tie that to, like, I'm always wanting to learn or, like, just be knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having that characteristic has helped me with like communication because I did like what we were talking about with relationships and handling whatever arguments. Like, I feel like if, since I, since I didn't want to be like, uh, not sharing Mm -hmm. feelings and stuff like that, it made me kind of learn to, to do something different. And I feel like some people without that drive to learn or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, they never, they never uh, 
like figure things out. Yeah, you know, they're always just like, this is how I am. You yeah. halt yourself. Oh, that. thank you for saying it that way. That's one of my least favorite phrases. And he, and it's it's and like a pet peeve of like, sorry, what? that's just the way I am. Mm. Yeah, no. no, it's not. <laughs> it's really not. That's it's you resigning to that yeah, fact. Yeah, exactly. It's you're like, settling. Yes. Yeah. But you're saying like people need to be able to help themselves. Because mm-hmm. like you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. You can tell them what they need to do. But yeah, mm-hmm. if they don't have any desire to you can only thing. help where your help is wanted. Correct. That's what I've learned. I've started going to a lot of like self-help classes and stuff through like my mom and, and my aunt. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I used to kind of be that controlling person. I had a lot of friends that didn't, like right out of high school, like a, my big, large group of my friends um, didn't do the things that I wanted to do. And so like, I kind of view them as like, oh, you guys are like throwing your lives away. You know, like, why are you guys doing that? And I always wanted to help my friends, but they, they never like, you mean you can only help them so much. And they were just mm-hmm. like, they're going to go down this path no matter what I try to do. Right. So I got to learn to accept, like, take a step back and, like, you know, like, either be friends with them or if I got to leave them, I got to leave them, you know? Yeah. But it's uh, it's kind of tough because if you try and help everyone, it gets exhausting. Yeah. You know? Then, um, yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. like, right now I'm trying to, like, work on, like, being more just for myself mm-hmm. because if you start worrying about other people, it just, like, like stresses me out too yeah. much. Mm-hmm. So working in the Jewish community for seven years, it's actually opposite of the Catholic teaching. They say... You have to take care of self first because then you cannot do for others. Yeah. So even if you want to create good for other people, unless you take care of yourself first, which sounds, you know, out loud, it sounds very selfish, but it makes sense after all that it's not. Um, yeah, you can't. How can you? How can you possibly have the energy or drive or motivation or yeah whatever it is to do that for other people? Yeah. And recently, like trying to, to do this whole like self-respect kind of thing, it's like I've noticed I've changed the way I think a little bit, and I've noticed that, like, if, you, if you're not worrying about, like, other people, when they do come around, it's, it's like, it's more rewarding because you realize, like, they like you for you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, friends, whatever. Yeah, versus you trying to, like, Always, force the yeah, issue, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, I, like, last night, even, I saw some people that I haven't seen in a while, and they're, they're like, I didn't expect, like to have such a warm like yeah. greeting everyone's like oh i missed you like you know i've been wanting to hang out and i'm like i didn't expect that at all yeah but it's just you know that's a good feeling yeah. sure yeah absolutely it's validating to the process that we're all on yeah and because we're all on our own individual journey it's it's mm-hmm. even more important to remember all these details because yeah. i always tell people that in regards to personal training businesses you get there and your clients just being awful for whatever reason they're just being grouchy they're snapping at you and you have to pull yourself out sometimes and go mm-hmm. maybe their grandma died this morning maybe their bot they just got the right, phone and their right. boss yeah. screaming at maybe their wife just threw a sandwich in their face i don't know <laughs> yeah. and they're, maybe they're just not telling me and, yeah. and you have to respect that and keep your head down and do your job and then um it's funny as it came to me one time this is like a couple of years ago like two years into this four and a half year process with baseball mm-hmm. Danny, I, I, I got really pissed off one game, and Danny comes to me. He goes, you can't do that. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're the happy guy. You're happy bitch. You don't get mad like that. You're not supposed to do that. And he was serious. And then I get a call like two hours after the game from Shibu. Hey, man, you know, you always said you're a communicator. Like, okay, where's this going now? Right? And I was like, I was really disappointed in you today. And just lays into me about it. And I was like, whoa. But it was that, it was that realization of, number one, what you're saying, JJ, is I had made an effort in a certain way and I, I had my bad day mm. 
And it was validating actually to stay positive of, okay, I'm doing what I am day to day. I just had my bad day. Now, how do I respond to this constructive criticism from my friends? Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Yeah, but, that's cool to have people hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. And it is. And, and, you, and there's to that into emotional intelligence again, right? Like most guys get way defensive and that turns into this uncomfortable talk. Yeah. But when you can just like set that aside and go like, okay, now what can I do with that? Mm-hmm. But then again, that ties into everything else we're saying trying to self-improve all the time yeah um i would do that all the time like noah you described realizing you were a certain kind of communicator Mm -hmm. same here or somebody told me and then it would make me read something research something i'm I'm much very much a student of life like you are jj Mm -hmm. it's it's like i would urge you all to do that that's why i passed out books that one time after a game yeah um always trying to study find something i'm not good at find something i don't know about Mm -hmm. and that comes in handy from like real life situations like stupid moments where like Somebody not too long ago was like, why are flamingos pink? And I was like, oh, that's because the areas they're indigenous to, there's a high level of phytoplankton. And when they eat them, it causes them to have a pink hue. And they looked at me like, okay, Bill Nye, nerd guy. And I was like, sorry, sorry. But even though, right, I had a moment, I blacked out. I like being able to, like, just give out these weird... Knowledge. Yeah, I went to a trivia night and I was with, like, three other people. And I was like the only one answering the question. Yeah. And to no. me, to me, yeah. it was like, what do you, do you guys not like, common knowledge? Yeah. Not, like, <laughs> Have you not opened it? To me, it's like common knowledge. Yeah, to you and I. Yeah, to all just, of well, that's how I feel like, about it. Yeah, if there's like if I'm watching a show and there's <laughs> they mention something, I'll like look it up and then I'll look up on Wikipedia and I'll read about it. Mm-hmm. And like I'm always doing that, and mm-hmm. like it's just it's. It, it's yeah. a weird realization that other people like I'm, it's Don't just like what's their way of th- like what are you just, thinking about what are you just, doing just the other week I was explaining to a friend the difference like he didn't know what a cyclone was and I, it just kind of blew my mind it's like you know what a cyclone is and he's like yeah like what is it I was like it's like a hurricane and he's like well what does that mean and it's like it's just a, a hurricane like, on the other side of the world that spins <laughs> counterclockwise a hurricane's clockwise cyclone's counter or whatever it is but you mean it's just very similar it just but something like that simple, kind of like, you know, you have that random aha moment uh-huh. where other people, they don't get that. They don't pursue it. Mm-hmm. They don't pursue it. Exactly. They don't pursue it. And it was just kind of eye-opening to me. Like, man, you don't know what a cyclone is? Like, I have right. a client. She's an author. She's very high vocabulary. Yeah. So she'll be talking just in general about things and she'll throw out a word. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and she gave me the compliment years ago. She's been with me a long time ago. And Vince, it's so nice that you can humble yourself. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, you always ask me what the hell I'm talking about. I'm like, that's because you throw out these giant words. I'm like, and I would like to know in the flow of conversation. I'm like, and it's only increasing my vocabulary to know that. And even something that small, people won't do because now they've lowered themselves in the eyes of that other person. And And that's kind of like the self-respect thing. Uh Because like, if you're too afraid to ask, then you're like, (laughs) because like even I got jobs, I'm always asking questions Mm -hmm. like I always want to make sure I know because like I'm not gonna I don't want to be asking how to do it like three months later yeah yeah Yeah. so then you know I find out what to do or what my question is Mm -hmm. and then I'm good from then from Mm -hmm. then on you mentioned like your your good communication skills in the workplace I found that it relates to my workplace too I have I work with kids right Mm -hmm. and a lot of times the other coworkers of mine they just when they punish kids they punish kids but they don't really you mean like the slap on the wrist, a phone call home or like a suspension, but that's kind of it. And like, my biggest thing is like, no, like, and I'm the only one that does it, unfortunately at my job. It's like, you got to talk to the kid. Yeah. And I was actually like subbing at a person who's actually been on the show 
is where I learned this style where it's like you got to talk down to the kids and really explain it to them and like mm-hmm. almost dumb it down why this is this and why this is this and why we're doing this to you but it's like because this isn't right you know what I mean? like you don't go around doing this yeah and I've, I've learned it's kind of exhausting because I'm the only one doing it on yeah. my staff at my school but it's <clears throat> it's super rewarding because like a lot of kids that I've talked to they you kind of see progress there was one kid he just he, he bat like he was just a super you know cuss all the time right and I told him like, hey, like, look, you're half American, you're half African American and half, um, you know, uh, Mexican. Mm-hmm. You're already a minority. You're already at a disadvantage. If you keep cussing like the rest of your life, you know, you're gonna kind of be stereotyped a certain way. Yeah. And like since I told him that, like, he hasn't really kind of blown up. And it was just like to me that was like super rewarding. I was like, holy yeah. snap! I learned what I learned in college and how to communicate and just like in life skills. I taught it to this middle schooler. Now, I don't know how long he's going to carry it on, but I'm sure he'll always remember it because it's stuck for these yeah. past few weeks. Sure. So it, kinda, it was kind of cool to have, like, to teach back. I've always found yeah. it weird how, like, like in school, mm-hmm. if someone gets in big trouble, they just send them to another school. Mm-hmm. And, like, that person ends up, you know, like, you keep followed. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, like why don't, I, like, I don't learn anything. Pass the problem on. Yeah, yeah. why don't, yeah. yeah. I've always felt like that was weird. It's so mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Or, like, suspension. Like, well, like what is that? Like gonna mm-hmm. is that gonna help them not do it again? Most of the trouble kids at that point are like, sweet, I get to go home. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you get to just yeah. chill at home now. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's it's uh, it's, it to communicate with kids, especially shows them mutual respect, shows them that you're not trying to lord over them, you're just yeah. trying to lead them, mm-hmm. um, and guide them. Um, it was it's great what you said to that kid because I've had that experience with minorities. Um, like myself, where I was coaching a bunch of Mexican kids at St. Joe's and we were going to play Queen of Angels in Newport Beach and they were terrified. (laughs) And I was like, why? And their reasoning was simply because they are white and they are rich. There's no way we can beat this team because of those two things. (laughs) I was like, like, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but it was like, seriously, guys, really? And like, did this whole talk with them before the game. Mm And then we won. Yeah. We won by like four points. Yeah. And they were like, the, they thought they were the coolest thing on the planet, especially because I was like, you guys want to be a little silly? And I let them like play some sort of like Tupac song all loud as we drove out, you know, <laughs> just, to, just to be all ghetto and silly yeah. about it. But it was like, it was this moment as like a 22, 23 year old where I was like, oh my goodness, as a minority, mm-hmm. I don't want other little Mexican kids, black kids, whatever mm-hmm. kids have to battle through this type of thing to yeah. think they're lesser than this is ridiculous. Yeah, because yeah. like I described earlier, I never really had that in me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was always kind of driven and my dad raised me that way to be confident. Luckily, mm-hmm. definitely felt that those racial walls will call them, but I guess knew how to blow right through them. Um, but yeah, the, working, working with kids in the pay it forward is huge, especially mm-hmm because it's something bigger than yourself um you get to continue on in certain ways um and then it's i actually would say to you don't question the fact that that kid will remember that mm-hmm. look what all we were talking about mm-hmm. is yeah. is all the coach noah's that stopped us and said something to us like yeah. hey don't be that guy or or do be this guy whatever it is so mm-hmm. that's huge i've had kids because uh, you know i coach pop warner uh, a few years ago, I coached for about three years, and they're all little dudes, you know, middle schoolers and stuff. And you know, I, I've had guys that I'll run into that are my my little brothers are in high school and stuff, and so they're all in the same age range. And so they'll come up to me and they'll be like, "Coach Derek, you know, yeah. I haven't coached <laughs> these kids in you know six years." Or oh something yeah, like yeah. That. And mm-hmm. like, Coach Derek, mm-hmm. yeah, you remember when this happened? Blah blah. I'm like. <laughs> 
what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, totally, you know? And so, yeah, that's, that's uh, huge what you said to that kid. he's, you know, yeah, he may, he may continue doing what he's doing, but he's definitely never going to forget that. Yeah. And I'm sure, I know you've had experiences like that too. And A lot of young people. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm just sure, like, me as a player or the former player, I can go back and I'll call coaches, you know, hey, coach, this, so-and-so, because, and then I'll, you know, kind of thank them for, because I think from every coach I've learned something, you know, whether it was a lot of things or, you know, one or two things here and there, yeah. they've helped you grow as a person. I think that's like what, that's the cool thing about getting to coach. Is, yeah. You know, you have this like bowl, of, uh, not like a ball of clay a little bit and you kind of help mold it. It's you're exactly not going to mold it to its final product, but you're just helping it get to the final product. Yeah. Um, so I think that's pretty cool about coaching. Yeah. And I hope you guys get to experience what I have now being essentially 10 plus years older than you guys is I have several kids now adults that I started in like eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I trained them all through high school. One of them I'll talk about this kid. Adam graduates from UCSB after that still trains with me after UCSB. Um, so, I mean, look at all that time spent together and then, you know you're having an impact on them in a certain way and they value what you do and I helped them go from this skinny kid to this really good looking strapping guy who's like 22 now or something like that and he's like a little brother to me and um, when my mom passes away I get this long text message from him about how your mom must have been awesome and diligent and all these compliments directed at me he said you are all these things for me your mom must have been amazing because that's where you must have got some of that from and I got that message and I'm like yeah, I'll mushy about it, number one, and then you realize the impact you're having on someone beyond just his soccer and baseball career, which is our yeah. focus. And then all the way to like two weeks ago where he texts me, signed up for a new gym, in, in parentheses, no offense, which is hilarious. <laughs> and, and and I want I notice all the guys we're doing a lot of Olympic lifting. Mm-hmm. Will I look will I look dumb if I wear my soccer shin guards like for cleans and stuff? And yeah. so I send back Yes. <laughs> Only wear cool high socks or wear K-tape on your shins. It, it looks badass. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Vince. <clears throat> Total little brother question. Like, yeah, I don't want to look yeah, like yeah. a doofus in the weight room, so help me out here. <laughs> right? So, 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 so I could have, like, made fun of him. I could have handled it all kinds of ways. But just kind of respecting the question in our relationship over the years yeah. is, is cool. And then the other one I'll tell you about is a girl named Chloe who gives me my first experience of feeling like a parent letting my kid go off to college because I was totally in tears about not training her anymore. I didn't expect that because she was number one, a young lady, number two, a soccer player. So kind of outside of where my athletic experiences were in. Mm -hmm. And then she makes the uh, Olympic junior team at uni on top of being a captain at uni. Then she gets a scholarship to UCLA. Then she comes to me with her player packet from UCLA and says, Coach Vince, can we prepare all summer for UCLA? I get her all prepared for UCLA. She goes in. I get an email from Mike Lynn, the strength conditioning coach, saying, don't know who you are, but great job. Oh, wow. um, Chloe, <laughs> Chloe is confident, knowledgeable, explosive, all the physical stuff, too. And, yeah. and then she was done with me, and it was time for her to go with Coach Lynn. And I was wow. like... I, she was laughing at me because I was like, "Oh my god, I'm like letting my little girl go. This is oh, terrible." Yeah. I was like, "I, I was like, I know she's in great hands, obviously." Yeah. Um, I go, but it, it, it was a, a statement on how deep of a relationship we had established. Um, I helped, I helped her through two knee injuries. I helped her through a 
quad contusion that turned into scar tissue that was impeding her speed and was affecting her recruiting, like all these things that were part of her major journey. And then she would just come to me with full trust and be like, coach, my knee's swollen this big. What do we do? Mm-hmm. All right, kid, let's, let's get you patched up and, and ready to go. Like the, those are the ones that make me realize I don't care if I make a million bucks. I yeah. really do not because I'd rather have, this is a morbid way to say it, but I'd rather have like 150 cars at my funeral than 20 cars at my funeral, so to speak, yeah. and, and have less money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, that, that matters so much more to me. And, and then I'll give the credit back to my dad for that too, because that's how he's always lived. He'll, he will not die with a cent to his name, but the guy's made a mark with a lot of people, my cousins and just those he's been around over the years. And even you guys briefly, mm-hmm. you know, you guys see old Louie, but mm-hmm. he's a pretty good dude. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Truly Mm -hmm. rewarding feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for tuning into the Podfathers podcast. I'm Noah Alvarez. Again, the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud.com, and of course, the Pulse Podcast Network. Shout out to our sponsor. Shout out to Generic Sports for not only producing the intro and outro beats, but also hopping on the show. Again, big thank you to Derek and Vince for hopping on the show and having a fun discussion with me. More good content is on the way, folks, so please hit that subscribe button. Please leave a rating and a review. Help attract new listeners. Again, thank you for the journey that we've been on here at the Podfathers Podcast. We've grown a lot. Again, I'm Noah Alvarez signing off. Hope you guys have a wonderful week and enjoy. Enjoy.